Welcome everybody to the second episode of the brand new fourth season of the Bayesian Brown Podcast Live. Here, thank you for listening this evening on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcast, and our newest affiliate TuneIn. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you. It's uh, scorching here in the Midwest, uh, sunny, 102 degrees with a heat index of 115. This is me, your host, Theo 3 and D. On this wonderful Midwest day, I got to work on my tan and get darker. So if you see me, just mind your business. Folks, tonight we have a Hall of Famer joining us uh, from the Midwest. Uh, he'll tell us a little about, about his journey and uh, his experiences uh, in the uh, Division One and Collegiate and the Big 12, formerly the Big 12. We may get into that as well, the realignments, but uh, and also uh, his experience as a Hall of Famer as a high school athlete in the great state of Iowa. Uh, without further ado, folks, I want to welcome to the Beige and Brown podcast, episode number two, season number four, uh, Mr. James Smith from Des Moines, Iowa. James, how you doing this evening, my man? Man, Theo, uh, what an introduction, my man. Uh, I've been drinking coffee all night and taking no dose, like my girl Gangsta Boo RP. So I'm I'm on a roll, baby. Kids don't do drugs. I'm Theo three and D's, and I don't know dose, but I rest in peace to Gangsta Boo. Memphis in the key, baby. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but I'm putting the coffee down, James. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, man. This is a beautiful thing, just being able to come back and uh, be able to talk to you uh, a little bit about my life and just the things that I've kind of encountered, man. It's uh, it's truly a blessing. It is, James. Now, as I, we shared off air in the uh, pregame, as we call it, the meet and greet, I was just I'm more excited, man, to meet, uh, talk to you. I know we haven't connected in a long time, but as my OG Darius Miles said, you know, it don't matter if we don't talk for years, we're still on the same time. So it don't matter yeah, if it's sure. 10, 20 years where we pick up at, it's like we never left. You know what I'm saying? That's like like what a lot of us, like we spoke off air about our about our main man, Nathan Taylor, about uh, Nakota's Floyd, different people like that. You know, we always on the same time. James, right. and I, I'm going to with the, uh, the question. I, I, you know, I'm repetitive. I sound like a broken record. But I asked uh, our, our guy, Bitcher guy, Enzi, uh, Enzi Tante. He was on our show a few weeks ago, our music fest. I asked our man, Brian McClure, Abraham Links. Uh, the award-winning uh, actor on the Council Bluffs, James. We, we grew up. You grew up in the state of Iowa, a state that's not really known for, I guess, nationwide, not known for athletics, or not. We're not known for having uh, influential individuals out of out of uh, Iowa. What what got you attracted to athletics? And I guess the two-part question: What was your earlier earlier influence? Was it a person, a coach, a family member? And uh, I guess on top of that, when you first started playing. You know, you're a multi-sport athlete, James, football, basketball. Who are some of your favorite athletes in these sports? Man, you know, it's kind of crazy just the way my journey kind of began. I just kind of grew up in foster care. Um, coming up with uh, Mike Neville, started hanging out with him a lot. And eventually his family took me in and just basically, um, you know, just kind of exposed me to a whole different life. Um, and they exposed me to sports. And that's when I uh, tend to really – uh, excel and I started to take um you know just to see some uh some some areas of my life and things that I were good at um and sports happened to be one of them and so they uh they helped me realize that um with all the support and uh, all the uh um heartache and all that that you know everybody typically goes through when you're doing something like that 
but you know, then I had the opportunity to go to high school and um, to play sports as well. You know, ran track, like you said, um, played football. You know, at one time played baseball, um, played basketball. But uh, you know, all the coaches that uh, I had throughout my life, they all brought something different to the table, um, and so I appreciate all of them for that. Um, Coach Nelson, you know, Dan Strutzenberg and um, David as were influential, um, David Barnett, um, you know, all those folks, man, were a part of um, who I am today and, uh, and uh, the uh, level of uh, um, football that I was able to play, you know. Definitely. James, much respect to the Neville family. I know one of them is in the, this space as well, doing well in the radio and uh, media industry. So respect and love to the Neville family. And James, can you let us know, who, I know you mentioned that those influences who were some of your favorite players to watch growing up? Maybe let's start in football and then maybe in basketball or baseball. Yeah, you know, I used to love Terrell Davis, um, mm. Ed McCaffrey, Shannon Sharp, you know, John Elway and all those guys, man. You know, just, that was, you know, the Broncos is my favorite team. So when I see how those guys performed and uh, kind of read about them a little bit and looked at their stories, you know, and this, the, the, the journey that they had to, um, take to get to where they were at, you know, it just always has kind of attracted me to um, the Denver Broncos. So those are a lot of the guys that I, re I really, uh, you know, um, looked at as heroes on the field. You know what I mean? And when you see heroes on the field, you always think that, hey, um, you got a chance to do something similar. It may not be at the same level or the same capacity, but it's in the journey called life, you know. And definitely great to kind of piggyback on what you said, James. I, I can't remember what NBA player I heard said, but once he said he told his son to pick uh, his heroes, things that they can do like them. Uh, he, I think he was just referring to, you know, I can't do what, uh, you know, LeBron James can do, but I might be able to do what John Stockton can do. You know, as an average sized guy, I can pass. I can be heady and smart. So sometimes we've got to pick people that we can actually imitate and be like, whether that be on or off the the world of sports field. And let's segue, uh, James, too. Now, you mentioned your early influences. We know that you went to the great institution of Thomas Jefferson High School, TJ, baby, the Yellow Jackets, on Broadway in 25th, baby. How was that experience for you, James, going, you know, learning those early influences and going on to high school and, I'll say, becoming a superstar over your four years there in multiple sports? Well, you know, it was, uh, you, know, you know, having gone uh, to middle school and then um, the transition to high school um, with some of those friends really helped um, just because you were able to have people around you that you already kind of knew. But it was just good just to um, go into a, a little bit more bigger space than uh, Wilson at the time, um, just to see all the different people. Um, obviously, you know, like most schools in Iowa, uh, there's not a lot of uh, diversity there. And that's one of the things that I wish, um, you know, when I was there, I could have had. Uh, but I never really had any issues of, uh, you know, having friends or being part of uh, certain groups or whatever it may be. But, you know, I think eventually um, just me being involved in sports and that's just one of those things like sports brings people together. So the people that I'm around, around love sports, you know. And so they seen um, for more than, uh, uh, I guess, uh, the color of my skins per se. And I, I side note, James, I can share that with you too, is that I never, you know, being also 
spending time at TJ, I never experienced any kind of negative uh, incidents or anything of that nature, you know, and also my, my family, my, my mom is one of 10 or 11, and they all also went to Thomas Jefferson. I can say that, you know, through my family legacy and going to Thomas Jefferson, there was always a great experience there in those hallways. And even though there wasn't a lot of diversity at that time, getting to meet, like you said earlier, a lot of the great teachers, whether it be Barnett, Strutzenberg, uh, uh, shout out to my lady, Miss Buchanan. I used to love Miss Buchanan, James. She was always a voice of reason for me in many different situations, but I thought all the teachers and the staff there was always pretty good. James, I'm going to say uh, to, of course, you had a great, uh, you know, I side note, a fun story, James, I, you probably don't remember this. I think the first time I competed with you was in a pickup game. I'm not sure if it was down in uh, Carter Lake at the Boys and Girls Club or at the Y, but uh, you were younger. I knew that I didn't really know who you were. And uh, I went up for a layup. I think you pinned my shot against the glass. I went away thinking to myself, like, what the hell just happened? Like, this this kid's like an eighth grader, seventh grader. And I, I don't know what grade you were in, but I remember you going up and clapping my shot against the glass. I said, my God, who is this? But uh, that was my introduction to James Smith. So, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if you remember that. But. That's just the competitive nature in us. We out there just, yeah. uh, just uh, trying, to, trying to do the right thing. And, you know, sports kind of elevates that, man. So when – you're that hype and that excited about it, then, you know, you're willing to do anything, you know what I mean? And James, what, what was your favorite moment at TJ? I know you were, obviously you, I knew you more as a football player, but what was your favorite moment, would you say, on, on the gridiron at TJ? Was there a game or was there a play that was kind of your the defining legacy moment there? Man, you know, I think my, my greatest moment wasn't um, in football. It was a, it was in track, man, to where I was able to break the hundred meter dash record for the school, the two hundred meter dash record for the school. Um, that was one of the greatest times that I've uh, that I felt like I actually um, was able to run the fastest that I could at that time. You know, I had some uh, hamstring injuries kind of um, throughout high school, but uh, that was probably the greatest moment because that's probably one of the moments that I felt like I was. Uh, at my best, you know, performance. And, and James, that's a perfect segue because you are in 2021, uh, you were inducted into the hall of fame and I afford with the relays and track and field. How was that moment for you and your, to share that with your boys, your sons and your wife, how was that moment? You know, it was a great moment, man. Just being able to have my family there and just kind of going back to where it kind of all started. You know, I think it's just important, um, to always reference or go back to where it all started because at the end of the day, that was part of who you are and that it's part of um, um, what formed you to become the person that you are, you know? Um, I think a lot of the times that that is beneficial for people to understand and to know where they come from um, so that they could always um, use that as a reference point and sometimes as a, as a place to be able to reset, you know? And you're definitely speaking a, a message in my life right now to me, James. That's definitely where I'm at, a point of resetting and, you know, getting back to your heritage and roots and, uh, as I say, back to where you came from. And we, folks, you're listening to James Smith, former Division One football player in the Big 12 for Iowa State, uh, for, uh, current and newly crowned Hall of Famer in the state of Iowa in track and field. Uh, thank, we thank you for listening live, wherever you're listening to your podcast, out here on Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn. Uh, or if you're listening live streaming live on Twitter, we have James Smith here. James, we're going to segue. You had a, like we mentioned, a very successful high school career. 
and you got to accept the scholarship to Iowa State, the Cyclones, and Ames. And I'm going to steal a line from uh, my man Darius Miles on Knuckleheads. James, if there was any other university that you could have had you, where would have you went besides Iowa State? What was your number two choice if you had one? Man, it, it was kind of a, a close um, pick between the Hawks and uh, Iowa State, man. It's kind of crazy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You, got, you got people taking another shot and a beer in the bars and counts of blush now. Don't you know, tell them you could have been a guy, James. You know, I think, uh, you know, it was one of those things to where we were in communication um, with the staff at Iowa, with Reese Morgan, um, Carol Parker and those guys, and at that time, um, Bob Sanders, uh, Freddie Russell. Oh, yeah. Were those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was very similar uh, stature to um, Bob Sanders. I could have used some more. Obviously, he was about 205 pounds at that time. Um, mm. By the time I got to college and got to my final weight, I was maybe about 190. But, um, you know, initially, that's where I kind of wanted to go. But then Iowa State uh, offered me. And I'm one of those people to where I am loyal to the people that uh, believe in me. And at that time, I feel like the Iowa State staff, um, Barney Carton, um, Chris Ash, um, Coach McCartney, um, all of those guys, Coach Gladani, um, Coach Grant, uh, Coach Ross, a lot of those guys just um, believed in me and believed what I brought to the table. Um, I think also with that, you know, um, when I first got there, I was, you know, playing a little bit scout team running back, playing a little bit of corner. And I just remember telling the coaches, I said, hey, I know I'm not a uh, 6'1 guy, but I know I could play safety. And okay. uh, they gave me one chance, man. And they gave me that chance. And Coach Mack was like, see, I knew you could do it. And, uh, <laughs> and ever you since sound like then, an awkward Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, man. Ever since then, I was uh, – I was provided the opportunity to play the safety position and at, uh, at a point being able to be uh, a starter for several years. And um, it really, um, it really helped me elevate my life just to be able to, um, like I said earlier, understand where you come from, um, you know, coming from a third world country and then kind of going through all the adversity that I had to face and then just to be where I was at that time. I just, uh, it was one of those things that I, I love to do and I put my all into it. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, we ended up doing well my senior year and winning the bowl game and all of that. And it was just a whole uh, picture ending moment for my college career. I'm glad you, I was going to close on that. You, you hurt my heart in your senior year, James. You uh, went into Lincoln Memorial Stadium and you had 12 tackles against my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers and you, you forced a fumble on the goal line and it hurt my soul. But anyway, I, I, I'll do with that trauma moment. How was that for you, James, leading? And that's not always a good thing we know, James, as far as you know, anybody in the secondary, you had 95 tackles that season. How was that being the team's leading tackle and being getting all-conference mentioned? Well, you know, it, it was tough, man, because, you know, most of the time when you have your safety as uh, the leading tackler, that's not a good sign, you know, and um, it wasn't a good sign, um, but for the most part, I felt like um, within our defense, I was able to um, read my keys really well and be able to get in the box and be able to um, make any tackles as I was. You know, it's not like 15 yards or generally around eight or, you know, by the time they hit eight or nine yards, depending on the running back, and I'd be there to be able to assist in the run. You know, I'm not a primary run stopper. Right? Generally, I'm a secondary run stopper, so – 
you know, something had to get, uh, go wrong up front for it to get to me. Um, but, you know, things happen, and um, sometimes that's just the way that it goes, you know. And, James, just to, to help our audience here, what we call our audience, the BNB Nation, uh, we do have a lot of younger athletes, especially in football. And can you tell us, as you, you transition from high school to college, as far as the, the preparation goes, what was the biggest difference as far as uh, your training, uh, your workouts, uh, diet, and then maybe learning the playbooks? I know we have some, even a couple college athletes have been on our show. Can you tell us your experience as far as that goes? Man, you know, when you, when you first get there, you think, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good feeling until it's time for, you know, um, the workouts. Um, I remember just kind of going through one of the warm-ups, and I thought the workout was over. And uh, one of the strength coaches said, no, this was just the warm-up, you know. Oh, boy. Um, and anything that you did in high school, it just doesn't uh, really resonate of how much work that you've left undone you get into that environment to where they're going to maximize everything because everybody around you is performing at, at a high level. So you can't take no plays off, you know? And so through the conditioning, preparation and all of that, it was, for me, it was an easy, it was easy transition because I was willing to put the work in. Did it hurt having to do all that? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I know that anything, um, worth having you have to work hard for and I knew I had to have a different mindset to put myself in a position to be able to um, be successful in the field. James you were a person that was blessed with extreme quickness and speed and can you just share with our audience here on the Beige Brown podcast and your experience what what was the was the difference in speed at the collegiate level how was that difference from the high school level? Man, it's on the field speed. You know I mean you're you're at that point you're at a percentage to where everybody that's on that field um, has been a high-level athlete wherever that they came from, right? So imagine just having a, a hodgepodge of high-level athletes and just the speed that everybody's moving at, you know? And then based off of your position, will determine how fast you may be moving. Obviously, for like D-linemen in high school, I mean, I felt like D-linemen were slow, but then you're getting some D-linemen that are running, you know, four sixes, four sevens, whatever it may be. And they are, uh, you know, as ripped or as cut or you know, whatever it may be that to where everybody around you is fast. So you have to be fast. Right. And the, 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 some, you know, the gaps close quickly and, it, you know, you got it. The running backs got hit the holes quick and everything is different. And again, we, we, we listen to James Smith, the Hall of Famer in the state of Iowa and former uh, Big 12 all-conference all player uh, at Iowa State and uh, we're speaking about we're transitioning James into our last segment, uh, and we know that you mentioned you're a Broncos fan, and obviously you root for your alma mater, Iowa State. I know with a lot of things you have your your boys mentioned off the air playing baseball, and uh, your wife was helping him out. She's more of a in that field was a she was a standout baseball softball player. Did you still get time to watch the Broncos and the Cyclones? And if so, do you have any good expectations for this upcoming season? Well, you know, I, for the Broncos, I think that. Uh, um, we have no direction um, but to go up. You know? Yo, let's ride. Hold on now. Let's ride. You ain't got no faith in Russ. <laughs> Listen, I mean, let me we go ahead and get that. Let me Come on now, James, dude. But Listen, but I think that we have the right tools to provide Russ to lead us into a good season. 
I got a hot take. I got a hot take. You might laugh. You might hang the phone up. I think Jerry Judy will have a better season than Jefferson in in the Vikings. That's my hot take, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Right. I know people think I'm drunk right now, live on live national radio, but Jerry Judy will have a Pro Bowl year, all NFL, and y'all will remember I said that. Jerry Judy. <laughs> James, we got to the point where we are at our uh, kind of the end of the segue of the fun questions we got for you. Uh, we do have one message. Uh, we did get a text from a listener, uh, the one and only. We call him Chavez, baby Jesus. He was like Ray Allen and on the course of Council Bus, Nathan Taylor. Uh, want to send his blessing and wishes to you, James. He said he loves you and respects everything you're doing and, and the diversity of your portfolio in your professional career. So that that's coming straight from Nathan Taylor uh, over in Omaha, Nebraska. James wants to send that message to you. Um, and we, we got our message, James. Again, we just kind of steal the segment from our uh, some of our mentors out there in Chicago and St. Louis. We you know we're gonna keep it Midwest with Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles. Uh, we got two good questions for you, James, before we end the show. Uh, in your opinion, right now we're doing a. Uh, you have to start one, bench one, or cut one, James. Since you are free safety, we're gonna do our uh, Hall of Fame edition. So you got to start one, free safety, cut one, and bench one. And your options here. Welcome back to the second episode of the fourth season of and Brown Podcast. We thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, or welcome back in our guest for the evening, James Smith, uh, Hall of Famer in the state of Iowa, former Division I all-conference player in the Big 12 for the Cyclones in Iowa State. And we were at our last segment here uh, for our commercial break there. James, we were doing a start, bench, or cut Hall of Fame edition. You played free safety. You can relate to these three uh, great men. We don't use that word loosely here on the Asian Brown podcast. Great is used too often, but. Start one, bench one, or cut one, Mr. Deuce. You got Ronnie Lott from the 49ers, from your Denver Broncos, Steve Atwater, or the great Ed Reed. I'll let you take the platform. Man. If I was to have to cut one of those guys, man, I'd probably gonna have to say it's gonna be uh as much as it pains me to say this, Ronnie Lott. Bronco Nation, let Russell Will let it ride. Let's ride. Hey, listen, you know, I'm gonna go <laughs> ahead and start uh at water and then uh definitely gonna have Ed Reed in there, man. It's uh those two I feel like will be a lethal combination. You know, that water. Uh, Man, that boy will literally knock your head off. So will Ed Reed, but Ed Reed has some good coverage skills as well. You know what I mean? So I feel like that 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 duo would just would just dominate. And right now, James, currently, in your opinion, who do you think are maybe the one or two or three best free safeties in the NFL right now? I know a lot of people think it's. Uh, we'll go. I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, mind. one of the ones that I've seen that's been the most consistent would probably be Darren James. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. That's pretty unanimous, like Vince Carter being the best dunker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, just because everything that I think he's a he's a well-rounded player in all aspects of the game. Um, 
And so right now, I mean, you don't see that very often, man. You don't see you those know, guys that, that, that can come up, get cover. The Bills Mafia, so I'm going to throw on my guy, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier. I think they're two of the best in the league as well. Yeah, for sure. I would probably say that. And a young I mean, man from but, I can't pronounce his name, James, from uh, the Steelers. I know he's giving uh, Josh Allen a lot of problems. Yeah. I haven't, uh, man, you know, but one of the things that I feel like that I haven't done a, a good job of over the years is just keeping up with football, you know. Um, I feel like at some point everybody, especially if you have had the chance to play, kind of want to step away from it for a while, you know, and it kind of mm. kind of it's intermittent because they'll go in and out of different phases to where, man, you're like enthralled into the football um, but then other times you're like, you know, I, I'm at a point to where I love coaching football. I'm not really worried about any type of football and just try to like manage and ba- and kind of balance of how you're, uh, how you feel about the game, you know? Um, and I think once people kind of get done playing the sport, it's always, um, rough. It's always a rough transition because you just never know in what direction that you are willing or that you're going to go. Because a lot of the people that um, may have um, been in the position to play at a higher level, um, really trying to figure out who they are or um, what their purpose is on in life, you know what I mean? What you're saying, James, two things is that our, our friend of our show and a guest, Jelani Johnson, kind of shared that same sentiment because he was he also played Division One basketball, and he was saying that a, a former referee in the NBA told him. You know, coaching and refereeing is just still like being in the game. You're still in the game and a part of the game. You just have to find your lane. So as you were mentioning, when you step away from that transition, as Jelani shared with us, he had to be, still be a part of the game but take himself out of the game. And, like, you know, on each team he found a player that kind of mirrored his image and mirrored his energy on the court. And to close it, the second thing to kind of, you know, uh, complete what you're saying, Kobe Bryant mentioned that as well. He said once he retired in 2016, he didn't watch a game or go to a game for two years. But, right. you know, his father, as you know, what got him interested, of course, that his oldest daughter, Gianna, has started to play at a higher level. And then he finally, you know, right before his tragic passing, started to go attend Lakers games again. And once they signed LeBron James, that's what kind of got him interested. But he didn't watch an NBA game or go to an All-Star weekend for three years after he retired, you know. So that is kind of a, a common sentiment, you know, amongst a lot of, like you said, high-level athletes, whether it be collegiately or if you played overseas in Europe and basketball or baseball, that once you retire or transition to the business world, you just kind of step away. And, and in closing, Jim, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what you, you've been doing now in your professional life? We noticed you you got a beautiful family with your wife and your sons. Uh, you're helping them in athletics and in school. But what, what else are you doing these days? And can you let us know um, in closing what, where, where we can find you at on social media? Yeah, man. Yeah. Um... I'm currently uh, have been working um, with Polk County Juvenile Detention Center for about 13 years now since I've lived in Des Moines, um, you know, just trying to make a difference in the uh, in the community and being able to make a difference in the the youth's lives. You know, I think at times um, sometimes, you know, a lot of people may not have a a crutch or a, a good environment that they've come from. And sometimes they fall short in life. And I feel like sometimes that's what happens with our youth. And. Um, I want to be able to uh, share my story at times and then just be able to teach them that, you know, you can um, go through some adversity and still be able to, 
to be successful, man. So I really enjoy um, working in that industry and just the um, interactions that I've had, the people that I've met and this, um, just trying to make a difference, man. And the people um, and, you know, just being involved um, within a couple of different um, committees, um, like the uh, diversity inclusion um, committee and just, you know, just going out there and try to uh, and try to be the change that you want to see. Um, as you know, man, I've always kind of been a people person, just been wanting to help other people. And that's what my main mission is life, man. Just try to be as a, a productive member of society and be, be, and be able to make a difference um, with the tools that uh, God has provided me. James, do you feel like you're, and in closing, you're, I know you mentioned, you know, your original upbringing being from, from Haiti in a third world country. And as I mentioned to you off air, when I was in Pennsylvania, I had the, uh, the pleasure to meet uh, an NBA player, Samuel Dallenbard, who was also from Haiti. And his family was just wonderful and played a long time for the Sixers. Do you think a lot of kids can relate to you, maybe if they're minorities coming from, you know, whether it be, you know, the Middle East, Africa, South America, Central America, or another part of the globe? Yeah, and we've got we've got a lot of listeners here on on Beijing and Brown, uh, James across the world. We have listeners in uh, Sweden and Qatar, different countries. Do you think your international background helps relate to your clients as well? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes you get uh, individuals that, like you say, come from different countries um, and may uh, have encountered some issues and. Um, just being able to understand that, you know, not everybody is from America or um, not everybody comes from the same area. Uh, just being able to help them understand that and then at times helping uh, each other understand that, you know, some people have different backgrounds, different cultures, etc. And uh, we can make a difference based off of how we treat uh, each other and how we treat them, you know. Definitely. And James, thanks for fine. We want to really hear on behalf of Bob and myself. We want to thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak with you and for you to give these gems and knowledge uh, to our audience here at BNB Nation on the Beige and Brown podcast. And finally, James, can you let them know, uh, you know, what, where they can find you out on Facebook and if you have the Instagram? Yeah, um, you can find me as just James V. Smith on uh, on Facebook or uh, underscore health um, is essential um, on Instagram. But I just appreciate and the, the, the V is Vladimir, right? You're like you're not from Russia, but the V is for Vladimir. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> well, James, it's been a pleasure, my man, and I really, like I said, this has been a blessing and just a, a, a truly honor to speak to you again after so many years. And uh, on behalf again, on behalf of Bob and the Beijing Brown Project, has we hope to have you again, James. We do have some different episodes that aren't uh, sports related, like we mentioned off air. And we might be able to get into some more international things or even just professional wise. We do have a um, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs series coming soon. And maybe, you know, I know your your, um, your organization is similar to Children's Square there in Council Bluffs. So we definitely have some things in the works for that. And um, folks, that'll wrap up our uh, second episode of season four of the Beige and Brown podcast with the Hall of Famer, State of Iowa, James Smith, former Cyclone, all Big 12 mentioned. 12 tackles against my corn huskers in Lincoln Memorial Stadium. He won a bowl game. The man is a legend. Put some respect on his name. James, we thank you. And as always, stay healthy, stay hydrated, stay blessed, y'all. We out. Feel three and D. What up, Bobby?